to the MM Search Rules of Leadership podcast. Each week, we'll be bringing you an inspiring guest who are all leaders in their own right. They'll talk about their career and journey to date, their inspirations and motivations, and most importantly, the secrets to their success. Well, listen, I want to say a massive thank you uh, to someone who I've actually, I'd like to think for a bit of a friendship with, but also someone I've always highly respected out there um, in terms of Chris Gold, who has kindly said that he would help and discuss as part of the leadership uh, forum that we were are putting together here at MM Search. Um, for, the, for those that don't know, um, Chris is an award-winning entrepreneur CEO with a track record in value creation through fast growing, scaling up and uh, digitization, delivering returns to investors. He was co-founder at Spark Energy, uh, driving uh, the, this leading business from a very early stage, a challenger brand to the big six energy companies. Chris was appointed CEO in 2014 and successfully led an MBO in 2016. That's where I first got to meet Chris, I was fortunate enough to be uh, uh, retained and work with him in a lot of, um, I think, key appointments through that process. And uh, uh, I think even on the back of that, we got we got a couple of socials. I organised one. Uh, uh, I think we got down to uh, Twickenham to watch uh, an England Scotland game, but we won't talk. And didn't get back. And <laughs> didn't get back. Yeah. Um, yes. Well, that's another story. That's that's for that, that's for the other viewers. Yes, absolutely. Um, involved in various board appointments, uh, Chris enjoys helping individuals, individuals uh, communicate and build and realize their vision. Um, he's heavily involved working within the private equity, uh, VC worlds in property technology, technology and digital transformation. Presently, um, Chris is heavily involved in Quater, uh, which is a lead, leading digital transformation agency um, and helps clients adopt value creating digital strategies and technology. Uh, their approach to digitally combines consultancy data, creativity, engineering, and marketing to enable growth and create value. Um, in addition, Chris um, uh, is working as chair of Independent Graphene Limited uh, to help his execs and shareholders realize value from an exciting technology breakthrough uh, to produce high-performing pure 3D graphene foam. He knows a lot more about that than I do, but I'm sure he'll talk about that later. just say um, a big welcome and, and, and thank you uh, again, uh, Chris, uh, for, for joining us today. So appreciate it. I really do. Pleasure. Um, this is all about leadership and, and trying to uh, find what makes people tick and what gets uh, the best from them, maybe where they've got to today. Um, you're genuinely someone who I can speak to and I've almost 25 years um, experience within the industry who has, for me, shown that genuine leadership and entrepreneurial players. So I've been looking forward to this one and probably finding out a few facts myself that I've never delved into before, probably should have done back in the day, but I never did. But what, what would you say was your first real big break into industry, uh, Chris? What, what was the first thing you remember when you got, you cut your teeth and you got involved? Uh, my first business was recruitment business in my early 20s. Um, and then I was in property for a little while 
but probably the big thing was the energy business because um, we got that to 300 million in revenue and 400 staff and 400,000 customers. Um, and we, I mean, it was a really challenging business, but we spun out a digital platform from it. And it was that whole thing that we exited to OVO. So that journey was kind of where I cut my teeth and learned from mistakes and, and had a ball. I mean, that was, a, that was quite a big. I mean, having now, now have my own business myself and hopefully seeing it progress, you know, it can sometimes be a bit scary when things are actually, never mind, not going the way it should, but when it's actually starting to perform and get to levels. Did you ever have to pinch yourself a few times through that journey as, as these numbers started to, to rack up? Yeah, yes and no. Um, I probably made the mistake of not doing that often enough because when you're in the heat of it and making it happen and keeping it going, you've got to try and be a step ahead. So, you know, I always said I forgot to celebrate our first million of turnover and then our first... 100 million of turnover and then our million of profit and all those things because you're already off to the next bit your job's to move the goal posts forward so everybody else kind of scores the goal and can celebrate it but you've always going to be on to the next bit so now I was always amazed that if you focused on keeping the momentum going you could do that by constantly moving the goal posts forward but it did mean you sort of missed out on those milestones. You kind of went um, over a few industries there you'd been to obviously then get to get into the energy side but was there any early influ influences of, of an individual or individual um, who you thought, for the hopefully the right reasons, can install some kind of leadership style or quality that you can still remember today? Yeah, well, before I got into the energy business, I worked with Colette and Peter Grant, and they were an amazing duo because she was really good at this sort of people and culture and... Um, softer side of the business and he was amazing at driving forward the strategy and uh, and value play so I cut my teeth in that business a wee bit and then all the way through my career Colette being the person who sort of kept me quite calm and helped me with my sort of rationalization of things as things got difficult or exciting or whatever um, a guy called Kevin Lyon who's a brilliant chairman of lots of really great businesses he was my chairman for a while and is still a sort of mentor and gives me a hard time when I'm thinking lazy or being lazy. And then I work with somebody, Scott Mackay, who's like my work wife or probably I'm his work wife. And he's just marginally better at everything than I am. And so probably having those sorts of people around, all like just brilliant people around helping, um, you, you, you just evolve, don't you? And you learn little things from everybody as you go. Well, everyone always wants to know this and we'll, we'll cut this up in a few ways, but you know, if someone puts you in the spot, which I'm obviously wanting to do right now, what, what would you say is your leadership style? What I mean, you must have had feedback or maybe you're subconsciously aware of it, but what would you say your style is, Chris? My leadership style? Um, well, I think that the job of a leader is to sort of set the agenda to gather the tools or make sure people have access to the tools and then just communicate all the time. So I think my leadership style is sort of inclusive um, communication. And the thing that always blew my mind back to our earlier point of uh, um, staying ahead of the game was that I realized after a while that all I needed to do was explain what I wanted to achieve why it was going to be really great for whoever I was explaining it to, 
and what help I needed in order to get there. And then that drew people to whatever it was we were trying to achieve. And or it brought money if it was investors you were talking to, or it brought clients and demand if it was clients you were talking to. So whoever you were talking to, if you were able to draw out your vision of what you were going to do and why it was going to be amazing for them, they were then drawn to it and they made it happen. And so, and it used to blow my mind that I would think, you know, in three months time, it'd be great if we could achieve X and then just go and think out loud and talk out loud with people about it. And before you know it, they've come on board and done it and the things that happened itself. So my leadership style probably is supportive and communicative. And I like to figure out what the end needs to look like and then work back and just explain that to people. And that's probably what it's about, creating a vision. No, I, I like that. I mean, do you feel then, I mean, you've kind of answered it, uh, through that there, but do you have certain habits that then you draw back upon? You know, you talk about the, you know, I love my rugby and I, we've, as I said, we've had a few beers watching it then there, but let's say the All Blacks who never panic, they always keep to the set format, even if there's only, you know, two minutes to go, even they're behind. Do, do you keep to certain habits then in terms of how, you know, you've trained yourself? I think my habit is to is that I'm really quite visual. And so I like to draw a picture of what the outcome is like and then talk people back from it or towards it. So that's one habit is being visual. And then another habit is something that Bob Keeler sort of told me about and I nicked from Bob, which was to have a certain rhythm. So I was lucky in the energy company because they're quite a big leadership team, which is a cool thing to, to lead. And so we put in place a rhythm and the rhythm was all about making sure that on those structured sessions that you have during the month, you're not banging the same drum all the time. So we ended up having a rhythm that after you got out of the way at the start of the month, the uh, sort of um, performance reporting and then your KPIs in a couple of sessions, we would then have a thing called a big ticket item. And so every month we'd have a meeting about the big ticket item, a big thing, which if we got it right, it would really move the dial. Um, and we'd set the right people in the team, depending on what that item was, the challenge of going to come up with a solution and then working our way through it. And we would change the big ticket item every quarter or so. But it meant that we made real, like proper progress, pretty relentless progress on the big stuff all the time, while also keeping an eye on the day-to-day -day and managing the little bit. So that rhythm and that big ticket item has become a bit of a habit because I then uh, implemented or encouraged the CEO at the graphene company I chair to implement it. And I do a bit of coaching with a guy who used to work with me and I encourage him to implement it in his business too. Um, and so, yeah, being really visual is a definite habit of mine. And then having a, a rhythm in your management meetings so you're not just doing the same thing every week. Um, it's probably another. You'd mentioned about, you know, growing and um, leading successful teams. Let's go to spark there obviously recruiting these types of individual um is critical what, what were the kind of key elements that you tended to find you drew upon that you were looking for when you were hiring that made the difference about pulling or making that strong team well you actually helped us with one of our key recruits um hamish osborne who became our cfo and um when we were hiring Hamish, we were an energy company and we didn't really know how to be particularly good energy company. And so one of our thoughts is we should hire an energy CFO. But then the other one was to just hire a really good CFO and he can learn the energy bit. And that's what we did and it worked out well. And so, yeah, when I 
hire people or or, or pick people out of teams to work on things at, uh, um, at the various businesses. The thing that matters to me is, can they quickly get what we're trying to achieve? Can they understand their role in achieving that? And do they fill you with a sense of confidence that they're going to play their part? So I guess you're looking for um, intelligence, enthusiasm, positivity, that sort of thing. And I kind of think if you get that, and obviously they've got to have the basic skills for the job, but if you get that, the rest can be taught or learned. So with Hamish, he came from a completely different background, but he was super smart, really um, had a good process and understood business. And so we just put some consultants around him for a little period of time. Then he learned the stuff he needed to learn and he was off and running. And it, it was you, you helped us with that whole process and put him in front of us. I mean, just drawn back from that, um... What's your your genuine opinion? Do you think um, you know leaders are born leaders, or do you think that they grow into that? I mean, what, in your estimation, you know, we've all been around the block enough now. What, what, what's your genuine opinion on that? Um, I think probably both can be done. I think I was born. I always wanted to be a leader, and not very good. Uh, being far away from leadership. These days I don't need to be the absolute leader, but leadership is one of my skills. Um, I think the thing is you've got to want to do it. I think if you don't really want to do it, it's a pretty horrible job. Um, and so I'm sure you can learn. I'm sure some people are born, but I think it comes down to really wanting to do it. And then if you want to do it, that will drive all the behaviours that make you good. I mean, we, we talked about who maybe um, you'd seen before, but... Um, in this kind of modern day, and you don't have to quote, but I mean, do you, do you think that it's more difficult for people to become, um, you know, that kind of maverick, inspirational leader? Or because I think a lot of people, um, you know, are required to re be a certain type of way or do things, or do you think there's still opportunity for, you know, um, I don't know, the Winston Churchill type, you, you know what I'm going with, with people yeah, who yeah. can just, they've got a vision and they get people going with them right or wrong. I mean, do you think that we're going to see less and less of that? I think it's hard. I think leadership's really hard, increasingly hard. Um, and there's, I just think there's more and more bear traps uh, left, right and centre. And so much you've got to be across and so many innocent mistakes you can make that really come down to bear on you these days. Um, but I think people with a conviction and a desire and a passion to do things that are always going to do it. They're always going to have a crack at it and then as a result be leaders. So yeah, I think I think there's going to be loads of that. And I think if you're I think the thing now is you've just got to be really um consistent and full of integrity. I think now you can't get away with um, cheating the system or or whatever. I think you probably, to be a, a good leader, they're, they're the things you've got to get right these days. I mean, people, I suppose it's, there's no quick wins to this year, but, you know, are you someone, I, I don't know if it's your thing, Chris, but do, do, you, do you, you know, do you read books? Do you, you know, watch inspirational? I mean, is that part of your makeup in terms of you draw upon these kind of things? Or? I I, sh I really should, and I don't. I'm not a big reader, and I wish I was. I'm, I'm sure that is an important thing that I've uh, not kept up. Um, what I do is I work or try to get help from people around me on how to think and how to navigate things. So that's probably where I 
do work. So there's a guy called Aaron Turner of One Thought, who has an amazing online um, program that really helps you like the mess, messy thinking when you're in a leadership role or a stressful situation, or when you're just dealing with people, which is all leaders do, right? Um, messy thinking is really dangerous and wastes a load of energy. So I, I look at Aaron Turner's stuff and then Colette Grant, her business is Optimize Your Potential. She helps me and other people figure out your thinking. And I kind of think, you know, leadership is people solving problems for people and getting other people to pay for it and other people to deliver it that's what you do it's all people and so actually yeah. probably i become reasonably comfortable that i don't spend ages reading books if i instead spend time being quite good at talking to people and, and getting people to do the right thing um yeah. we, so. we've encouraged i mean it, it was a change in thought direction for me as a, a lady who's brilliant um kenny actually in fairness introducer mel hingingbotham who you know she's just someone who it could be for any, it doesn't have to be from a leadership point of view, but it's just dumping the rubbish, basically, and being able to focus on, on the good stuff, you know, which I think, okay. um, you know, is just a nice positive way to look at it as well. You know, just dump dump the stuff that might be dragging you and keep going. But I think it's important. And, and, and on that, obviously, without, we can't, during the times that we're still living through at the moment, has your style in any shape changed uh, with COVID and, you know, what's been thrown upon us over the you know the past 18 months uh i think i've probably not been as effective as i'd like to be i mean i'm not i haven't built relationships internally as well as i probably did before and i don't know whether i mean i'm sure it's because i'm not present right you've just got to be present right and i'm not present as much as i would want to be and the like my diary is hour after hour of zoom call and yeah. I'm definitely missing the softer stuff, like building trust and things. When you're a leader and you need to build trust with people, and I definitely find finding it harder to build trust. Um, when I was really growing fast, I had this sense of a bunch of people who were really behind me and got it. Um, and that's definitely harder to do in, uh, in COVID times. But you just have to good at different things you know you just have to do it differently and I think it's probably not an excuse yeah you just got to find a way um find a way around it I mean what do you do I mean out with you, you need to I know you uh, from previous conversations skiing but that's not been much with that been <laughs> kicking about at the moment but what other ways I mean come a weekend I mean it's very hard sometimes for leaders um who are in that zone to um kind of chill out basically and take time out and give you know, I know you stay in Edinburgh with the family, et cetera. Give them that, that time that they, you know, it, you know it's, it's always good to have that family life behind you. But how do you relax, I suppose, Chris? That's what I'm trying to say. Uh, so exercise is a biggie for me. Um, for a while, I, I was really into doing triathlons and all those sorts of things. But just getting up first thing in the morning, I get up. I go for a run. I live near the meadow, so a lovely sort of 5K in the morning and then a bit of exercise in my garden. So fresh air, exercise first thing in the day. And then for work, it means I've had a chance to straighten out my thinking before I get going. And at the weekends, it slightly tires you out. So instead of having the manic, yeah. you know, thinking things through, you kind of, it kind of switches you off. And then, yeah, my kids are 9 and 12. And so Saturday mornings and Sunday mornings are hockey and belly and swimming and things. So pretty quickly you get your mind out of it. And, you know, alcohol helps a lot. Well, absolutely. Thank God for it. But um, 
you know, you, you touched on the kids side there. Unfortunately, I get young family as well. Um, you're seeing them and what's ahead of them going forward. Um, you know, what, what, you know, as any walk of life, as people are coming out of schools, colleges, universities, transitioning into, you know, the next stage, you know, what, what advice would you be giving them, you know, because it's, I think it's becoming ever more difficult for them to, to find a way some ways, you know, it's not like, I think every decade is almost getting harder, you know, uh, yeah. how, how would you, for them, what advice would you give them, you know, at, at an early career stage, I suppose? Uh, so the first thing I will definitely encourage them to do is go and have lots of experiences before they really get into a career. So I was so keen to get going in a career that I, you know, I left school a year early to go to uni. I finished uni and didn't go back for my honours because I got a job and then I started a business. And, you know, before you know it, you're in, in the rat race. Whereas, you know, they, I hope they go and do a ski season or go on yachts or travel lots and do loads of that and then get into it later um, because you know there's plenty of time and I think the, the skills and experience that they will build by doing that particularly in the working world that they'll go into where a lot of the sort of skilled jobs as it were will be automated and therefore it will be about your softer skills your people skills your creativity so I hope that they'll do that and then I hope they just find something that they love uh, I mean I'm, I kind of never I'm not sure I ever found an industry or a thing that I love, but I found a role in terms of leadership and um, strategy. I love leadership, I love strategy, I love growth. Um, not necessarily, you know, I did it in recruitment, I did it in property, I did it in energy, I'm doing it in um, investor world now. But I imagine if they could find uh, industry that they have a real passion about, that would be great. I mean, all the usual stuff you hope for as a dad, I guess. Absolutely. And I mean, as you said, you're, you're involved within that uh, private equity, VC world. You're surrounded by people who are either investing or coming through. I mean, I suppose from the investor qualities and the guys and girls who are at the senior end of their careers and you're, what, what's still impressing you about the other leaders that are around you at the moment that you're seeing that gives you still a, a, that strong positivity that there, there's a lot of good things happening there? What, what, what are things that... What qualities are they showing that's still impressive, you know, in front yeah. of you at the moment? I mean, I anyone at any stage who's full of drive and positivity and curiosity, um, I find inspiring. Like one of the things I love working with private equity folks for is they tend to be smart and they tend to really be able to get it. And I love hearing how they think about a business. Um, one of the guys I spent some time with was um looking at buying tyre businesses because electric vehicles are full of torque and burn through tyres and people haven't quite figured that out yet and there's been a change to some regulations about how you label tyres so the Chinese market suddenly can compete in level terms with the French and the, the Italian yeah. and just people who piece stuff together like that and think it think at a different angle and then are excited and enthusiastic about the opportunity I really like and the best PE people are supporters of their businesses and are supporters of their CEOs and things. So they, they, it's not their vision or their plan, but they help make that vision and plan even bigger and get behind it and become a champion for it. And I love that because that's all about can-do attitude and let's make something happen and, and all the rest rather than sort of pulling people down. So the best PE people are, are really energising. I touched upon what you... Um, would maybe advise to other individuals coming through if you could kind of 
walk into a room and see a young Chris Gold at that age of 18. You touched on some of it there, but would you change any any of any of it along the way, or would you give any advice, you know, in terms of how you'd maybe do things differently? Yeah, I would. Um, I made one very big mistake of not taking help when it was offered. So it's really easy when you're in the heat of the moment and rushing hard and working fast and all that sort of stuff that to be blinkered and to think like me and my team know what we're doing and we this is what we're doing and we're definitely right and if you want a discussion about why we're right I'll tell you why we're right and then we'll keep doing it um, and I had the opportunity to work with somebody very smart um, who wanted to challenge me on that stuff but I was either too arrogant or too busy or too focused to really stop and say actually this different point of view might might really be right um, and so instead I sort of pushed against it and didn't get the most out of that person so I would say to myself if there are people who are you respect and who who know what they're talking about and they're willing to spend time with you you know give them the time because you'll learn something um, and then I just sort of but I wish I wish I would have enjoyed the journey more or been a bit calmer um, and yeah, I'm still not there. Like, I love the private equity and the digitization business that we're doing, but I'm frustrated. It's growing really fast. It's like we're doing four times where I wanted us to be, but you're still frustrated at every piece of work and you want more and all the rest. So I'd try and find a better balance, probably. No, that's a good answer. I mean, you also, um, and I think it is challenging yourself because, you know, at MM Search, we do a lot on with the Non-Exec Academy. We do a lot in the Non-Exec world in general and field here across the UK and sometimes internationally but do you feel from a leadership point of view that's almost like yes it, it's great because it also pays but or some do and some don't but generally it does do you feel that you have to you know step up when you go into that groove as well with a company uh, and you know show even stronger qualities I suppose if they're investing that from you looking for your expertise yeah I think that's a really delicate balance um, because you've got like the responsibilities are even greater you spend far less time so you know much less and yet all of your input is around the boardroom table um, and in front of audiences or, or sort of stakeholders to whom you could be quite influential so you've got to be really careful that you get that right and you know you interject and add value at the right points but you don't take over the conversation because you know there's a CEO in that business and a team in that business who are in that business for a reason. So I think it comes back to what normal leadership though is or, or sort of team leadership is that if you see your role as helping other people get the most out of what they need to get out of, like that thing I said at the start where <clears throat> when you know your job is to help set the agenda to gather the tools and then to help the other people do it. If you see that around the board table as well, that's valuable right your your job as a chair is to set an environment in which the right conversations and right decisions get made it's not to have those conversations or make those decisions so you know you have to spend time managing those relationships creating the right environment asking the right questions not answering them and you know this is a question you may or may not want to answer some do some don't but is there anyone in there i suppose in the current kind of uh, world domain could be past or present that you think is or from a leadership point of view and probably more 
Well, it, it could be sport, it could be industry, whatever. Is anyone who you kind of look up to who has inspired Chris or, or continues to inspire more in the public domain as well that, you know, we've, we've either read about uh, past or present or, or, is, or is it doing it right now? Uh, tr tricky one. I mean, there's loads. And then there's also the fact that I think, you know, you want to play your own furrow. I mean, Barack, it's hard not to think Barack Obama's style is incredible. I don't mean his suaveness. I mean his calm, considered, inclusive style. And I like, uh, I was at that dinner in Edinburgh when uh, Obama was there, and he said some brilliant stuff. Like he said, look, when you're the president, there's no problem that lands on your desk that you can solve because it's been through way smarter people than you are and they haven't managed to solve it. So the best you can do is find the least worst outcome sure. or, you know, help, help, uh, help us smooth over what's going to uh, come. And then I think what Obama's up to now is working on making sure he can get the right people in the room for a conversation that sure. like, that's his thing now. I think he's created some sort of forums and and uh, and that sort of thing about you know how do we get how do we make sure the right voices are in the right room and being held. And I like the fact that his view, therefore, is not I'm the leader, I'm in charge, I'm smarter than everyone else. Here's the answer. It's you know I have some authority and therefore can get the right people in the room to help that, which I think is a an stuff. And from your point of view, what, what things do you still want to achieve from a leadership point of view, Chris? What, what do you still feel that you want to, you know, and uh, I'm sure that's way down the line, but when you think, right, okay, I'm going to hang up my industry spurs or whatever, what, what things are you still looking to achieve? So I'm really excited by the Equator Digital opportunity that we have and that we're working on. That is a brilliant business, which now has some other opportunities coming its way. So our private equity channel is exciting anyway, but also <clears throat> digitization generally is, you know, the way that things are headed. And there's an opportunity with that business to really grow out the set of capabilities, the set of sectors, the set of solutions that are brought to market. And, you know, there's 180 people, really great people in that business. Um, and an amazing track record of clients. So, you know, with Brexit kind of behind us, like done, and with the pandemic hopefully coming out of it, it's quite an exciting point for uh, for us to grow that business. So I'm hoping to do more there, um, and I kind of see that as another run for a while, uh, help grow that business. And then eventually I'd like to do more of the chair and non-exec stuff. I would like to at some point move abroad um but i don't think i will want to hang up my boots entirely so doing some sort of advisory non-exec stuff in the future would be nice and that's kind of why i do the graphene one partly I, I believe in that business and i think the people are incredible um and it's just a good chance for me to keep my hand in i'm just going to say well listen chris this has been fantastic uh, i'm sure a lot of people are going to want to listen to this year um you know i'm, I'm just delighted that we've still kept this working relationship on and you've been able to dedicate this time um, uh, without getting tear to glass. I always highly respected what you've done and always uh, a big advocate and promoter of your work as well. So thank you very much uh, for giving uh, me the time today. Appreciate it. Okay, it's been great. Fantastic.